what we do here is go back, 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 back. Maggie, clearly, as she's snoring, is not losing sleep over anything at this point, so. Welcome back to another edition of the Raider Take Podcast. I am Micah McDonald. With me, as always, is Andy McDonald. And we are back into our draft coverage. Going to get into some Raider talk as well. I will kick it over to Andy. Andy, how you doing before you give him the rundown? You know, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm fantastic, actually. It's, it's, uh, it's time to get into draft mode. Um, we are in mid-Feb at this point. We are past the Super Bowl, which is great. So we can start focusing on some free agents here, um, start focusing on some draft talks. So I'm excited to get into it. Um, we do have the offensive linemen that we are previewing tonight. You know, it's not always the most exciting thing to talk about, but alas, I think we have um, some relevant Raider talk that, you know, we, we may need to address some offensive line um, moves here. But um, excited to get into that. So we will break down the top six offensive linemen from what we know, you know, and also we'll get in, you know, we will touch on some tackles. We'll touch on, you know, a few guards here and there um, and also get into some cut or keep as it is related to the Raiders um, salary projections because we are under um, in the negative way um, under the salary cap. So we will start with the breakdown of the offensive linemen. So I will let you start first, Mr. McDonald. You have the number one offensive tackle, Penny Sewell. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, that I do. Uh, Penny Sewell, 6'6", 325, offensive tackle out of Oregon. This guy is kind of a do-it-all tackle. He is ranked in a lot of people's top five player on their big board in general just in this draft. Some of his strengths are his size. Um, he has elite athleticism as well. And he's overall just got brute strength. He's going to be someone that will just overpower really anybody he goes up against. Um, his biggest asset is his pass blocking, which is, surprise, surprise, one of the reasons he's ranked at the top because pass blocking offensive tackles are very valuable um, in the league nowadays. Some of his weakness, um, if there was something weak to his game, is just kind of his overall run blocking in general, but he's not getting paid or drafted to be an elite run blocker, and that's things he can learn once he gets into you know more of a, a tighter regimen and practices and stuff like that. So I don't know. It's pretty chalk with him. He's just overall an insane elite athlete that is projected to be the franchise tackle for probably the top three teams in, in, the, in the draft. So... Yep. I mean, he's, he's someone that has been slept on really for, for this, this year, at least just because um, the, the college football season was just weird in general. And he was a consensus top three, top two overall pick. And then, you know, a lot of quarterback stuff happens and, you know, weird year once again. So um, Penny Sewell is so great um, in that sense, but I, I, I have n- number two, Rashawn Slater, who out of Northwestern, very strong, as I mentioned, the offensive line is not, not the most fun to talk about, right? So so when we get into our, our deep dives and things like that, it's a little tough to just be like, I'm so stoked on this guy or whatever. But 
Penny Sewell and Rashawn Slater are, are the top two. I mean, I would say top 20, top 20, top 15 picks um, this year. So, um, you know, he is someone that is, is very versatile, um, very strong out of his tack. You know, he's someone that's technically sound, someone that can pass block, run block. Um, once again, out of Northwestern, kind of the elite size, elite strength that you look for in a tackle that you can really bank on and say, hey, I'm going to take this guy in the top 15, top 20 and, and be good with it. So, you know, he's someone that can really, you know, do do both, both sides of the ball, whether it's run blocking, pass blocking, and someone that you, you know, as much as he is versatile, um, that you can slide him into guard. I don't think you're going to draft him that high. So he's someone that I feel good about, someone that is as high on the boards up there and, and really can be a difference maker, you know, within those the selections, I don't think he's going to be there for the Raiders. Um, I don't think they would take him, honestly, but um, he's someone that I think will be a good fit for one of these teams that don't need a quarterback and then just want to protect the passer. So Rashawn Slater, number two on the board. Um, you got number three. Go ahead. Yeah, number three, we got Christian Derisaw, uh, 6'5", 315 out of Virginia Tech. He is very athletic for a big man. He's a great run blocker. He's pretty decent at pass blocking in general. Um, he's got very good ability at, at like getting to the second level. He's overall someone who's going to be able to be very rangy and athletic and, and really mobile. Kind of the inverse of what I was talking about with Sewell with him. He's very good at run blocking and is, you know, good but not great at pass blocking, which is just something he's going to learn at the next level, but easily number three on the board. What's going to be interesting on where he goes is going to – you know, obviously be big and dependent on where the first two guys go and how early the run on tackles goes. He could be someone that goes in the last 10 picks of the first round or beginning of the second round, or he could go top 20 if people are like worried about getting, getting a tackle. So very athletic, very rangy for, for a big man needs to work a little bit on some footwork in the pass blocking, but overall he's going to be someone's long-term tackle. Yep. Love that. Um, number four, I'm going to go Jalen Mayfield out of Michigan. So this is someone who he out of high school was, he was six, five, very tall, um, but also only 245 pounds. So he put on 75 pounds since he came in from high school. Someone that is, um, you know, kind of mirrors Trent Williams in a sense, you know, for the Washington football team. Now he's in the 49ers, but um, very, very rangy, very athletic player. So he is, someone that is getting a little bit newer to the footwork, a little bit newer to the technicality of the, of the position, but one of those athletes that you bank on, you know, out of Michigan, once again, you know, Taylor, Taylor Luan, you know, one of those guys that can really put it together. But I think he's someone that has came on a lot um, more recently. And once again, didn't watch a ton of tape on this guy, but I I think he's someone that is going to be able to be explosive. I'm going to be able to, um, maybe take a chance in the second or third round. Um, I think there's a high end for these tackles where it comes in this draft. And so you can take one of the top two, top three within the first 35, 40 picks. And then, um, you know, someone like this is going to be in the, in the second round, but you might be able to stash him a little bit and be able to strike gold um, in that sense. So you have, I believe, our number one guard up next. So who do you got for this draft class? Number one guard. Yeah, so the funny thing is with this is, you know, for offensive linemen going into the draft, you have tackles and you have interior offensive linemen. And a lot of times when you're looking at guards, some of the top guards coming into 
the draft are essentially tackles that, you know, are larger body that can get moved in because they're versatile. And and that's where Elijah Vera Tucker comes into play. 6'4", 300 pounds out of USC. 2019, he dominated at the guard position for USC. Uh, he originally opted out of the season, but when things kind of got solidified, he came back and started at tackle, which only helped boost his his stock because it you know gave him the versatility. You know he can kind of play wherever. He is very athletic, just like with Darisaw. He's really good at reaching the second level. He just mauls defenders when he gets to square up with them. He has a hard time winning on the outside as a tackle, um, as it relates to going to the NFL. And so that's why a lot of people are kind of pegging him to be a, a really, you know, elite starting guard in the NFL. But he's shown that he can kind of, you know, play everywhere. And as we saw with the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, uh, you know, offensive line that can switch in and out of essentially any position is a very, very coveted thing when you're in a pinch. So. He's going to project out as, you know, a, a starting guard in the NFL, but he can play center. He can kick out a tackle in a pinch if he needs to. He's going to be Swiss Army knife on that offensive line. Which brings me to our last um, offensive lineman. We have Landon Dickerson. He's a guard out of Alabama. Would not have seen a draft profile deep dive without an Alabama prospect. So um, he's someone that's very versatile, um, similar to Mike, his guy here. So he can, he can play guard, he can play center, um, he can slide out to tackle if you need it. But most notably, he was someone that came on and he, he was hurt at the end of 2020 um, as they went into the championship game and they ended up sending him out there just to take a snap. He warmed up for the national championship game, even though he had like a, it's like a broken knee or something like that. But he, he's someone that is just like such a do-it-all. Um, he's a good team player. Um, he's someone that once again, is versatile that that can play on all sides, you know, left, right. You can put him at guard, put him at center either way, but really he, he's just a tough guy. Um, he's someone that might be limited a little bit with his athleticness. Um, someone that really is going to be able to plug and play, be your guy there. So um, I, I would say this offensive line group is not the deepest that we've seen, um, but there's some high end for some tackles and, and someone like Dickerson and, and like Micah mentioned with his guard that is, is going to be able to really plug and play and, and be a good starter um, at least at the, at the next level. So, you know, I, that might've been our quickest draft profile draft deep dive. of, of Absolutely. Some positions And yeah, that's just the grouping that we have. So what do we have for the, for the next round, the next segment? Yeah. So, this time of year is when we start to hear rumblings of a lot of different things with uh, players being cut teams kind of, you know, figuring out where they need to be cap wise, you know, options not getting picked up. You start to hear around the rumor mill, certain things are going to, are going to happen. And uh, one thing that popped up as of recently was that it is highly expected. The Raiders are going to part ways with Tyrell Williams. So that spawned a segment that we felt we needed to dive into and we are going to call it cut them or keep them. Um, I am also going to put in a third option for you. If you think this player has trade value or think that we, we could trade him uh, cut them or keep them or trade them. Wasn't very aesthetically pleasing uh, in the name naming of the segment. So, but here we are, I'm going to give you, I got, I got 10 uh, players on our roster that could be cut or traded for, Cap space, uh, cap casualty, as you will. Um, so I'm going to give you the first one. You ready? Oh, yeah. All right. One of the biggest names that is coming out of it, and we touched on it in heavy 
with the disappointments with Mel Dreamy, but that is tackled Trent Brown. He is owed 14 million this year, has a zero dead cap hit. So we would essentially benefit $14 million from cutting him or getting rid of him or trading him. What are your thoughts? I think we keep him honestly. Like I, I think this is something that may be overblown with his injury de- designation is, is he wasn't very available um, throughout the whole 2020 year. Um, he was someone that we were like, is he hurt? Is he injured? What is his you know true availability at this point? And I think there's some, there's some rumblings, maybe more so on the Raider Nation side, that is he Antonio Brown, Melodreamy. I hear you there. I think with his talent and with, with what we need at that position, I think we need to keep him. Um, I don't want to trade him. If we trade him, it really better be worth it. You know, it's, it's got to be something that's going to be a good trade package overall where we can replace him because as much as we think that, oh, we can cut this much um, off his salary, it's, it's, it's also like, well, we have to replace the guy, you know. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm not so worried about his work ethic. I think there's been some questions, but it's not, also not something that I, I really am losing sleep over and, and think is going to be an ultimate issue, you know. Maggie clearly as she's snoring is not losing sleep over anything at this point. So I, I, I'm not losing sleep over Trent Brown. Yeah, completely agree. I think it is something that is very overblown. I think people are very frustrated with Trent during the season. So that thought is like, Oh, we'll save that money. But it's also like, who are you going to replace him with? It was very clear that our offensive line was quite better when he was in there. So I agree with you. Uh, second one, and we can go through this one really quickly because it was, uh, aforementioned already, but Tyrell Williams, uh, zero dead cap owed 11.6 million, which is also what we will save. I mean, foregone conclusion, but what's your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, we, it, it already sounds like we're going to cut them. So, and, and I'm good with that. I think we have a lot of options. Um, I think we have more options to figure out on the wide receiver side of it. So you have Nelson Aguilar that we have to, whether we resign him or not, you know, you also have, um, you know, Henry Ruggs, which we had to figure out how he fits into our offense. So um, Tyrell Williams is one of those things where he's been hurt too much, um, hasn't been worth it, and also saves us 11 mil. So I think we're going to cut him. They've already been pretty pretty straightforward about that. So Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think one big thing is, is Brian Edwards being available. He essentially can, you know, fill that role as far as more of a bigger-bodied guy. Uh, next one, been, uh, been in the news as of lately as well. Marcus Mariota, $10.7 million owed, zero dead cap hit. Thoughts? Yeah, that's tough because, I mean, we, you know, we've already signed uh, Peterman to another one year deal for some reason, I guess. Um, He's just going to keep, keep hanging out and keep holding the clipboard. So um, Mariota, he, he has a bigger um, salary hit. So obviously we're more inclined to trade him at this point. He played that one game against the Chargers that, you know, maybe it's enough to, to just deal him out, you know, see what we get for him. So I, th- I, I would like to trade him um, if we can get some sort of third, fourth round pick. Great. I think the biggest thing is that we get a salary off our, our cap, which in this year is going to be a little bit lower than, than usual. So when usually the salary cap ends up going up after the year. So um, a lot of things to consider there, but I think we trade Mariota. What are your thoughts? Where do you think he goes? You know, let's trade him if we can trade him. Um, you get some get some value out of him. Um, I, I I also don't know why Peterman just continues to 
come back on one-year deals, like you said. But getting that off of our books and also being able to recoup something for him would be fantastic. I don't know. I think they're fine hanging on to him, but it'd be one of those things where it's like, if we can flip him for something, let's do it. Honestly, I think he's going to be on the roster come week one. But if I had it my way, I would say flip him for whatever, you know, something mid-round if you can get that. Uh, next up, this is an interesting one, one that uh been floated a few years in a row now, I feel like, and that's going to be guard Gabe Jackson. Uh, owed $9.6 million this year, zero dead cap hit, so we would save all of that $9.6. Thoughts? I, I think we keep him, honestly, like I'm not trying to be a, a broken record here with the O-line, but um, I think he's someone that has been, you know, he's had some injury concerns, but that, that was like two years ago. And I think he played pretty well this past year um, when he was healthy. And I, I'm not concerned with his productivity um, overall. So I think we keep him, um, I think eight or $9 million for a guard that's, you know, top 15 in the league. I'm, I'll take that every day. So I think he's someone that DC trusts and, and someone that we, really need for that offensive line. So I want to keep Gabe, especially with the uncertainty around Trent Brown. So I say we keep him. Yeah, definitely. And and in a year where we did have so much, uh, you know, like you mentioned, revolving doors at the offensive line, he was someone who was, you know, reliable for the most part. So, yeah, I think we keep him too. I, I don't really like that talk here and about like him getting cut or, you know, like if they were going to get rid of him, you could get something for him, trading him somewhere, you know. But our offensive line has been so such a strong point for years, and he's ever since you know start you know when we brought him in, drafted him. That's kind of when the line started to you know build, and they started to get continuity and all that stuff. So I think we keep him. I hope we keep him. Uh, this one seems like another one that's up there with the. Uh, it's just a a, a matter of time, uh, like Tyrell, but because. Our defense is so terrible. There's a chance he sticks around. That's going to be LaMarcus Joyner. Oh, let him point. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. He's owed 11.2 million uh, with 2.5 million uh, dead cap hit. It's a 8.7 million dollar savings. Do we? I don't think we have to go any farther. I think we know how you feel. <laughs> no, yeah, I, it's not that he has been that bad, but he hasn't been worth his contract. So if you just look at it that way, similar to Tyrell Williams, um, well, similar and not similar. Joyner has played a lot more, but he's just someone that you can save eight mil. I don't think he's a difference maker on our defense and I'm, I'm going to cut him. Yeah. And I think everybody knows that I kind of feel the same way because of how high hmm. I am on Amik Robertson. Yep. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I hope they cut him to save that money. Just kind of move on from it. N- new D coordinator, new system get a fresh start with getting some of the old guys out of there. Next one uh, also seems foregone conclusion as well. Uh, kind of interesting situation. Richie Incognito, uh, 5.5 million owed, zero dead cap hit. So we would save all of that 5.5 thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to, but I think it's, it's an age thing. It's a injury history thing. He played well when he was with us um, pro bowl, type player um, when he was at his best, but he's someone that I think we can cut. We have John Simpson. Um, There's a lot of things that are going in our way um, in in a positive sense where we can cut him and be fine. So I think we cut incognito um, and feel good about saving some cap and not banking on who he was compared to who he is. And and that was kind of non-existent in 
2020 where we didn't know how long his foot injury was going to be. So I'm going to say cut incognito. Agreed. And I think there's going to be a decent emphasis in, in maybe trying to look into some offensive line in the mid or later rounds in the draft. So I think, like you said, the age thing, the fact we got John Simpson there, you know, Denzel Good, so versatile um, that he can kind of play wherever if, if needed. So I think just process of elimination and the age. Next one, guy that got brought in over the offseason, gave him uh, a lot of money that it was kind of like head scratchy a little bit. But that's Carl Nassib, uh, 9.5 million owed, uh, 5.75 on a dead cap. So we would save 3.75 in savings. Where are you at with him? Um, that's tough because I think he offers some um, versatility on the defensive line. Um, he's not, not a starter, but can save us some caps. So I think this is going to be contingent on how we address um, the free agency, how we address the draft. But if I was going to make a choice right now, I'm cutting them, cutting them, just save the money, keep stacking up. We'll take the hole in the, in, in the line and in the rotation. And I'm going to cut NASA. Sorry, buddy, but he did not produce like we wanted him to. And, and that's where I'm at. But he did get an interception and our defense needs turnovers. So, I mean, where are you at there? Just kidding. I think I have same spot. I, <laughs> I didn't cut him. I, I don't know why, you know, we gave him, we gave him the money we gave him, and I think that it was to come in and be a legitimate role player, and he was a mediocre role player. And so I think just cut ties, be done with it, even though it adds some depth. Next one, very interesting one. Uh, as I was going through our the contracts for this, this upcoming year, ran across this one as a, a spot to save some money. Because like you said, cap dropped this year because of COVID, and people are kind of scrounging. They're used to it going up, and all of a sudden it's going down. So... This next one is going to be Jalen Richard. Owed 3.5 million, zero dead cap. We would save all 3.5 of that. Where are you at on him? This is weird, but I'm going to cut him and re-sign him. I'm going to cut Richard, save 3.5, and I think we can re-sign him after we cut him, um, after the waiting period goes, and we can bring him back on a lower deal, um, you know, 1.25. Let's just call it that but he can still be our third down back. I think the Raiders will make a, um, you know, a, a good effort to bring in someone that's more of a true second running back um, RB2. But I think we cut Richard, um, bring him back at a lower deal, that minimum, and then he can still be that special teams guy that they're done running back if we need him. But um, I don't know. I think he's valuable, but at, at, a, at a cost, obviously, just like a lot of people. So. Yeah, definitely agree with that. I feel like it, it's one of those things where he has done, you know, quite a bit for us and keeping him on for that 3.5 very easily be, you know, something that they do and just stick with it. And it's not a big deal. I think it's very interesting. Uh, the cut and re-sign, not something that I had pondered on my own, but also thinking that you could find someone in, you know, fourth or fifth round somewhere in the laters. That is just one of those like scat back type of, you know, third down receiving backs you know we we highlighted a few of them in our running back coverage of the draft so I think it's such it's so down the middle I probably say cut them just to save it and then figure things out after that but I would be perfectly fine just keeping them as well it's literally right down the middle I'm like not one way or the other but I had to put them on the list number nine safety Jeff Heath 
3.2 million owed, zero dead cap hit. Maggie, why are you so loud? Sorry. 3.2 million owed, zero dead cap hit. Thoughts? Um, this is tough. I think we're going to wait till the very end here. I think if it came down to it and we did how this is shaping out, I, I want to keep Heath. Um, I think we keep him. Three mil is not much, not for a rotational guy where our secondary is always hurt. Um, someone that can step in and be a starter. So I think that's worth it. I think special teams is worth it. So I'm keeping Heath. Sorry, maybe it's just the Pat Mahomes pick that he had, but that, that's where I'm going. Yeah, I would say cut him because I just see it as dead weight. But I get what you're saying in the sense of, of being a rotational thing. I think safety is something we address both in the draft and in free agency. I feel like he might end up being the odd man out if we've got, you know, Eric Harris going back to that rotational guy and, um, you know, having some rookies and some people through free agency kind of coming in. So I would say cut them just to help free up some cap space to go give some money to some of these free agents that are coming out. But I feel you, I feel you on the depth, you know, he played well enough. He played surprisingly well. I didn't expect that, you know, the production out of him that he that he had. But maybe if he scores that touchdown, I feel differently. But yeah, 100%. Okay, last one on this one, kind of a out of left field option. Uh very low numbers in general, but Arden Key, uh 1.2 million owed, uh 207,000 cap hit, which would save us about $900,000 by getting rid of him. He's kind of a weird one, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, it is weird, but I think we keep him. I think we've done enough to develop him at this point. He is who he is. He's rotational at the end. I think he's someone that gives us enough productivity um, where we can keep him at a minimum at a lower rate. And I mean, when he gets closer to his, you know, when he's done with his rookie deal or his, his option year, I think that's when we part ways. But I think we keep Arden Key. Um, he is who he is, and I think he's been productive in that sense. Unfortunately, we've had to rely on him as if he's our DN, but you know, I, I, I feel good with where he's at, and I feel good with what his role is. So I'm keeping I'm keeping Arden Key. Stay on, buddy. Yeah, I agree. I think for that, and especially like for that money, is very minimal. And I think that even going into a new system with Gus Bradley, you think, all right, well, maybe maybe that'll flip some things. He's been, as you said reliable as a backup you know he's had these flashes where you're like man put it together and you know you'll you'll be pretty solid but it's just always kind of teetered on that like rotational guy kind of situation like you said he is what he is but yeah I'm keeping him too just because he's showed that he can get some pass rush maybe getting into a more competent defensive coordinator and more competent defense something that we hopefully have to look forward to uh you know he might have some more production but yeah, keeping him money. The money's not that big of a thing for the question mark on you know what he's going to look like in a Gus Bradley defense. So, yeah, all all these are not going to be easy, um, but I think it's some tough decisions we have to make. Um, obviously, we want to invest in the draft. We want to invest in free agency, but we cannot do it until we cut ties with some of these bigger contracts and then figure out where some of these role players fall. So, it's not an easy year, but. Um, that's where we're at. So I'm glad we, we were talking about it. Um, we'll get into the defensive line next week um, with our draft profiles. So that's it, right? Unless you have something else. No, that's all we got. Uh, as always, we appreciate the love. Please share, subscribe, rate, review. If you're on Apple Podcasts, 
iTunes, give us those five stars. Excited to keep getting into this draft stuff. Season's over with. We can dive, you know, headfirst into it. The defensive side is always a very fun side. I feel like because I didn't get to play defense back in high school, only played offense, I always tend to like lean towards liking the defense a lot more. We've talked about this before. I always play defense on Madden. You were always playing offense, just how things were. I've been diving into some stuff on the defense with DBs, safeties, D tackles. Very excited for this to come around. So going to have some fun. Can't wait for that to happen. Yep, it'll be good. It'll be good because it's very relevant to what we're looking for for the Raiders. So excited to dive into it. Excited for our guests as, as they're coming up. So Micah, as always, love you, man. Raider Nation, stand up. See you guys next time.